Celtics are going to make another change. You're listening to The Substance on the Yellow Card Podcasting Network. Subspension hosted by Stephen Brandt and former Sounders fan of the year, Duffy Alverson, and brought to you in conjunction with Away Days Football, the makers of high-quality football-inspired clothing for the casual looking for something to wear to matches. Use code YELLOWCARD at checkout to get 15% off your entire order at awaydaysfootball.com. And now, here's the guys. I really got to put some. I really got to put some Boca Sounders in there anyway. But it's not only both <laughs> both of us. Gabriel from the English, Boca and English pods here because I basically have been stalking him to get him back on. I think what has it been every every Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday? yeah. I mean, it's 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 been almost uh, at least every other Wednesday for the past couple of months, and you know, for whatever reason, either school or work that I've been. Uh, committed to on Wednesday nights and Wednesday afternoon. I haven't been able to, but uh, I'm glad to. I'm glad to be back on. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get even worse because now you're gonna be going back to school next year. It's, it's oh, you darn young. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I look. I, would I look say at that. early 2021. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at that because when, when I first started following you, I'm like, oh, this is a this is a this is a guy around my age doing this, and I I followed you. I'm going, whoa, okay. And I remember I'm older than most people that are doing this. So, well, not Duffy, <laughs> and I don't believe Duffy's in his fifties. I think I believe he's actually his son's age, and his son is his brother. But let's let's get with them. Let's not get into okay. anyway. Um, because it's going to be the last pot of the year. I figured if I was going to do one more, let's get Gabrielle on. Let's do something about Boca, considering that. Probably mid year. <laughs> Probably mid year. It might even be my birthday. The Boca book will be out. So when when is your birthday? March twenty fourth. March twenty fourth. Oh, okay, pretty cool. Pretty cool. The anticipation yeah. builds. Yeah, they they asked me. They're like, when do you want to have this out? I'm going. Oh, <laughs> let's see here because I'm through the first edits and it, what's fun about this, and I know you don't write as much because you do a lot of stuff outside of here, is that when I like to get other people to read my stuff because it's always fascinating to see what other people see. And yeah. I've, I've had such good luck for so long because I've been doing this for 15 years, is uh-huh. that so many people have gone, nice way to go. Yeah. Gabrielle, when I started this, I was your age. Wow, yeah. You've been in the business for a while. You were in grade school when I started. I looked at that going, oh Lord! But anyway, um, I, they 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 gave me they give the they gave it to a um I I have it at a publisher in Virginia because I couldn't take it overseas. Thank you, Dan Williamson, on that one. <laughs> Him of all people picks the one publisher in the world I wanted to go to. He picks the only one in England. Keep in mind, this is the UK that literally you can walk down a street and stumble over three bookstores. And they're, oh, wow. they're per capita more football teams there than there are anywhere in the world. He picks, picks pitch publishing. And when he told me that, I'm like, dang it. I can't go <laughs> to Argentina because I don't speak the language when I started doing this. I'm getting better. So I'm like, ah, crap. Here we go. I gotta start searching. I gotta start searching. And it was almost to a point where I was gonna I was gonna message you going, um what do we know? What do we know here? So and I do through other my other life outside of my in a previous life have contacts in the um, publishing industry. But I looked at it going, oh crap, here we go. So I got I got them to take the I got mascot to take the books. Take the books. So when they gave it back to me for the um for the revisions, it came the day after the election. 
the 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 club elections you're you're referring the to. The club election. So I'm reading this going, oh thank you. I'm like, yes. Not <laughs> only can I put, I can add more. I can bring this thing up to date because that was the big f- problem I had with this. Is that when I'm looking at it going, well, there's about ninety percent of the stuff you can write about, and you know, having to think about this because you, you do a lot on online, Gabrielle about like the 2000 side, about Maradona, Raquel me, all that. You could do a lot of the good history type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, especially the Riquelme, that I mean, that's the era I pretty much grew up with. Uh, that's the book I, I um, saw watching um, as I grew up as a kid and, and got older. I mean, he was my favorite player of all time. Um, and yeah, I post a lot of pictures about him and Maradona. Obviously, he didn't have the biggest uh, influence uh, at Volca. He only won at just a league title. And if there were any other player with just a different name, he would just yeah. be another player that added a league title to the club. But the fact that it's Maradona, I mean, he even has a statue in the in the club. And again, he only won one league title. So that's why I like to post things, you know, about our, our biggest players and, and in terms of historical pictures. And, and I like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of seeing uh, pictures of when I was just four or five years old of, of my favorite players now, you know? So that's why I post a lot, you know, on, on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think even to a point with how big Raquel me is, but that he's before the internet really exploded. Yeah. Because he really doesn't have much out there. I don't even think he has his own autobiography. No, you know what it is? It's even tough to write an autobiography on him. Um, Reason being is he's just such a private person and just doesn't like all the media attention. He's not a big fan of the media. And even when he was a player during press conferences, uh, you could tell he wasn't fond of the media. Um, yeah. I know one one guy in Argentina, a filmmaker, uh, made a documentary on, on Riquelme, and he obviously needed Riquelme's uh, approval to go ahead and release it and, and all that, and Riquelme said, I'm sorry, but no, uh, we can't do this. A, a trailer was even released, and I saw the trailer, and I was pretty much in tears because I, I just thought it would be the, the greatest documentary, I'd, at least the best documentary I'd ever seen. And, you know, it was, it was a really cool and intriguing documentary. And unfortunately they had to cut the project um, out and, and weren't able to finish it because they simply just, just didn't want it. And, you know, it's, it's about him and you have to respect his decision. Um, so, so, so yeah. And that's what I respect about him, to be honest with you, because you've got players out there, even all different walks. I mean, I think Michael Owens got a, at least, at least three autobiographies out there now and he's been only out for I think 10 years at this point it's like we don't care and <laughs> Kenny Dagley has two but his second one is just <clears throat> everything post him leaving um Newcastle that's really all that second one is because I bought both of them so I mean that's one of the things I respect because there's Maradona's got what like three or four there's four documentaries out on him. There will there mm-hmm. won't be one about his time in Argentina managing now. That's that one's coming. But I respect that about recovery is that there's just nothing. Outside of these yeah. football times and maybe and maybe um Ray Hudson, there's not much. And that's more yeah, makes no, it definitely. more fun. I mean you think about it, I mean he played over he played over in Spain, at a time, I mean, he was at Barcelona, but not he did at a weirder time, and he played for Villarreal, a club that really doesn't have anything out about himself either. Yeah, and I mean, when when he played, so when he played for Barcelona, he was played out of position under Van Gaal, I believe it was. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't that don't know a lot about that transfer, so. When Boca finalized the transfer for Riquelme to make the, the move over to Barcelona, uh, he walked into the locker room. He presented himself to his new teammates. He presented himself to, to Louis Van Gaal. And Van Gaal said to him, I just want you to, to know one thing. I did not ask for you. So you can automatically tell right off the bat things were just going to go sour. They weren't going to go well. Um, 
couple months later, weeks into the season, you know, he started playing to get him out of position as a left midfielder, and that's just not that's no. not Rikimis. That's not Rikimis' spot. Rikimis is a is a slow player, but his brain is what what's really fast about him. He knows the play before it even happens. He knows how it's going to unfold, with you know before it even happens. He's he's a playmaker essentially, and he was never played in the playmaker role. So that uh, ended his short stint with Barcelona and his transfer over to Villarreal. And when Rikimis played for Villarreal, those were Villarreal's best years in, in club history. I mean, you can ask any Villarreal fan in, in, in Spain. Uh, they made it to the semifinals of the Champions League. To the mm-hmm. semifinals of the Champions League. Riquelme took them that far into the, the probably the, the biggest competition in the world. And that's a huge accomplishment for such a small team in, in Spain. And I apologize if there's any Villarreal fans listening to us. Um, but that's the dimension. That's how big Riquelme made made the the, the the Spanish club, and they almost made it for the final. They missed the last minute penalty or something like that. They went to a penalty shootout, and of course it had to be Riquelme who uh, unfortunately missed the penalty. But you know he he took them to new heights, absolutely. Yeah, exactly, and it's he would have been done better in Spain had he been either much older or much younger because he misses Christ completely. And he, com- uh-huh. and he played, I think he either played with or has been on the field with Guardiola. So he misses the two big ones right there. And Christ's long gone and not managing by the time Raquelme gets to Spain. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he comes in with Van Gaal. And I don't like Van Gaal. I've read way too much about that era in there. He was never going to work with Van Gaal. That's not the type of manager he, he would have needed there, to be honest. I mean, he would have needed his type of manager to come with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, like I said before, he, he, he played him out of position. He told them the very first day they met that he never asked for him. So you could tell Van Gaal really didn't want him. I think yeah. if there was a, another coach at Barcelona at the time, uh, that played Riquelme in his ideal position, I think Riquelme would have ended up flourishing. And that would have had consequences for Boca because Riquelme would have never returned to Boca in 2007 to win the Copa Libertadores once again. I think he would yeah. have flourished in, in Barcelona for many, many more years. And that would have sucked for us. Yeah, but you think of all the players that have walked out of Barcelona that we think of that are really good. I mean, Ronaldo walked out of there and – at that time and could have been good. Rivaldo was there, could have been good. Mm-hmm. And it just uh, they spat through a bunch of players only because they would not they would not keep Bobby Robson around another year. Because if he would have had Bobby Robson behind him, oh that would have been fun. Yeah. Why I bring Absolutely. that up why I bring that up is Raquelme's back with the club and when I brought that in, that's why I messaged you. I'm like, oh, okay. I got to understand this part because for American sports, being able to deal with your board or your team the way Boca did, that's unheard of. You don't get yeah. to deal with any club that's of substance around you. I mean, in mm-hmm. the lower leagues, you do like. My local team here in Buffalo, I can message the owner. Then again, so can you. He's Nick Mandola of NBC Soccer. You, it's not hard uh-huh. to find him. But what yeah. that came out is Raquelme's back. And that's what the thing that was odd to me when you were mentioning it to me is how many people, how many <coughs> legends, names were behind these other presidents. I'm like, really? Maradona, and I was kind of surprised Maradona's name was behind something because as nuts as Maradona is, I can't imagine him putting his name to something that isn't about him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people found it um, surprising to see that Maradona uh, was backing the successor to the presence that we had over the last eight years. The reason why I say that is because, you know, this may be strange to a lot of our listeners, 
but club elections, football and club elections in Argentina are directly related with the national elections of, of the country. Um, and just to, to give you guys an example, um, during Boca's most successful time, our golden era, which uh, most would say was between two, uh, 1998 through around 2007, our club president was Mauricio Macri, who was just the president of Argentina. He just finished his, uh, his first um, term as, as president of the country. He wasn't reelected, of course, but I don't want to get too in, deep into that. Yeah. But club elections are huge. They can put a club president into the president of, of the country, which is – it's enormous power. It's enormous power. And that's the power that the fans, the supporters in, in Argentina and I would say all of South American clubs have. The clubs belong to the club members who pay a monthly fee as opposed to here in the United States where they're owned by, as you said before, an owner. Somebody buys the club and they have every right to do whatever they want with the club, whether the fans like it or not. In Argentina, it's different. If you don't like the way the, the direction the club is headed, it's simple. When the next club elections arise, you pick somebody else to run the club. And that's the power that, you know, club members have. Yeah, that's what makes it fascinating. But why did – there's getting your name behind and happening participating. And then there's what Raquelme is. He's part of the board now. He's back with the team as being such a private person. Is this a step out for him? I w- no, I don't. I don't think it is. Um, in in previous interviews that he's done uh, post retirement, um, he he said many times, "I don't want to be a coach, a manager. I don't want to be any of that. I want to eventually be the president of my club." And that's something he said many, many, many times. Um, but you can't directly right off the bat be the president of the club. I think like, he over. He made the right choice. So the president of the club is. Um, Jorge Ameal, who was the president from 2008 to 2011, um, and is second vice president. So he's not even vice president. He's second vice president. And what Riquelme is going to be in charge of is all the footballing operations of the club because that's all he knows. He's going to be in charge of uh, the youth academy, the reserve team, and the senior team, along with the, the women's team and the women's reserve team. He's going to be in charge of all of that with a couple of ex-players, uh, helping him out, obviously, because it's a big task. Not only that, but he has the second vice president title uh, under him. So he's going to be sitting in, in board meetings and basically learning from his superiors. So eventually one day in four years and eight years when he decides to run for, for club president, he's he's uh, he's prepared. Which makes sense. I mean, obviously he's a big man and he's a smart – well, not a big man, a big name and a big – and a smart man with this, you wouldn't be getting in just to let let his name out there. Learn, no, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, but is this kind of is this? And I'll be honest, my only real look into um, Argentina is this Boca book. So I mean, I don't know the splinter off, and I never really looked. When I did the Boca book, I'll be honest. This is so one-sided to Boca. It's not even a surprise. The Super Class, mm-hmm. and you read it, so you know what I'm talking yeah. about. I really don't talk about Weaver whatsoever in this. Um, Absolutely. Is this, which is smart. I mean, I, I thought about it. I'm like, I should do a little, because you could, you could definitely talk about the Stefano. You, there, there's stuff there. There's stuff Absolutely. there. You can even there's obviously you can talk about players going back and forth, but that's happened. But is is Raquelme an oddity with his name being such a big player, being in on a board or trying to run? Yeah, I mean, um, there's many who believe that uh, Jorge Ameal, our, our current president now or elected president, won these elections because because of Raquelme, simply because of Raquelme. He's such a huge name. And over the course of his career, he's always, as you said before, he's he's a very smart guy, a very intelligent guy. He wouldn't put his name out there, you know, and risk his his uh, 
I mean, he's an idol for the club. He's an idol to the fans. He's the best. He's the greatest player to ever perform in the blue and gold kit. I mean, he's admired by virtually everybody. He transcends borders. Even River fans respect him. Fans of any club in Argentina respect him. That's the title that he overwhelmingly, you know, uh, accrued to him. Um, and he's over the course of his career, he's always made what seems to be the the right decision. Um, and many see this as the right decision um, for him to go as, as as second vice president. And whenever you want, Stephen, so you know your listeners can sort of get a a good grasp as to how the elections work. Go ahead and let me know, and I'll I'll sort of start talking about how the election process is and, you know, how the voting is and, and all that good stuff. Well, that's what makes sense. That's what makes sense with all of this. And I, But the, the thing that surprised me and without knowing the back, back into it is that was this for him because of how the last board was? And I can notice with how you were online and on your Pot is that Boca fans really did not like the direction of the last president, the last board. There was overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. Well, River yep. had gotten too good too fast. Now I don't know how much of that is Gallardo, and I don't know what you can th- what space you can get your mind in around him as a manager, but th- there needed to be another. Said, was this where Kelmy sitting off going, yeah, yeah, I gotta, ch- I gotta get myself in here and put it back to where it w- should be. Absolutely, yeah, and you know, he he even said it himself um, when we lost the 2018 Juventus final to to Real in Madrid. His son looked at him and said, "Dad, I want you to return and help the help the club. We need your help because um, as much of a fascinating final as that was for the neutral fans." That final should have never, ever been played outside of South America, ever, whatsoever. No. Uh, before, before the final even took place, many will tell you that um, Boca were the favorite to win the second leg at River Stadium. Boca hadn't lost at River in, in quite a long time. I think it's uh, close eight, nine, ten years that Boca hasn't lost to River at River's home. Um, so it was a very it was a very favorable matchup for Oka going into the second leg, and the fact that you know everything blew up the way it did, and and the final needed to be moved to out not even outside the country but to another continent was just completely unacceptable. Um, and from our point of view, Boca fans feel that Ribet have been heavily favored um, within the Conmebol, uh, the South American footballing body. Um, and Boca has not, and that is a direct blame at our current board. They haven't done enough to, in order to protect our, our our interests, in a way. Boca should have done more to not have played that final in Madrid and instead played, you know, inside the country or maybe Uruguay or nearing, a nearby country. But for it to have been played the other side of the world is just completely asinine. Yeah, that, that's, what's, that's what it seemed like. With with that one is why do you take it across the cut across the thing when you could if you were going to take it out of South America you could have <coughs> you could have put that thing in Miami fast so fast put that yeah but you could have put it on you, you for God's sakes worst case you know scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? You would have had even the same thing if it was played in Miami. It shouldn't. I mean, the 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 competition is called Copa Libertadores de América, which translates to Cup Liberators of America. It, it it's a direct name from the South American countries gaining independence from the European countries. Liberators of America. That's what the the, the trophy is called. And for you to play it in a country that you know. Ha- basically controlled most, if not all, of South America, like Spain, then, you know, yeah. you, you have an issue. It's a, it's a bit contradicting, you know? Oh, yeah, but you, you know that you know this having, having covered the sport like you have been watching it. The, the federations yeah. are a joke in and of itself, and I'm not even getting U.S. – I'm not even getting American involved in that. I mean, the AFA is – 
staff is so screwed up. You have what three or four former presidents in prison. One's dead. It just uh-huh. you just look, look at back at that, and then except Blatter probably just went away going yeah whatever on that. But now Raquel me's back. There's going to be a new manager coming in. What's this new manager going to do that's going to be different from well just getting a super copa? Uh, the the new coach you're referring to, right? Yeah, the new coach, yeah. Okay. Okay, so the new coach who's likely to take over is Miguel Angel Russo, who was actually a coach of Boca Juniors back in 2007. He only coached the club for, for one year, so he knows the club. It's not a newbie coming in who needs to sort of um, learn the, the, very aspect, the various aspects of a club because – Coaching Boca Juniors is not the same as coaching a, a mid-tier club or a low-tier club. The media attention is obviously not the same. 80% of the media attention or TV attention given to Argentine football is fully dedicated to either Roca or River. So you have to be careful of the, what you say in press conferences and, you know, all that stuff. And Miguel Ancel Russo, who is projected to take over as, as head coach, as new manager, obviously knows all of that. Not only that, but he actually was able to win the last Copa Libertadores the club has, has won, which is, like I said, back in 2007. So that's sort of what the, the, um, the new coach brings to the table. Um, he coached Riquelme. That was Riquelme's best year, uh, arguably, for Volca. His 2007 season was absolutely superb. It was exceptional. He was our, our highest scorer in the 2007 Libertadores. Um, so Riquelme knows what it is to work under Miguel Angel Russo. He knows what Russo brings to the table. Which is good. Um, which makes it good. So what has this year been for Boca for, well, not just for you. I mean, has it been as much of a disappointment as we're letting on? No, I wouldn't use the word disappointment. Um, how do I say it? So we began the year. I'm going to try and you know backtrack to, to January and, and and see sort of you know um, how the club was back then. So we had just came off of the the Libertadores loss to River, of course, which we just spoke about. And Boca hired Gustavo Alfaro. And, uh, he signed him. They signed him for a one-year contract back in January. And it was a difficult time for the club. It, it was not only losing a Copa Libertadores, but losing a Copa Libertadores to, unfortunately, your your biggest rival. So it was yeah. it was a tough time for the club. Um, so the board thought that he was the best option. Uh, I think the other candidate was uh, Turco Mohamed, who is actually coaching Rajados of Mexico, who actually lost today to Liverpool, 2-1 to Liverpool. I'm sure you watched that game, Stephen. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I was Oh, okay, okay, okay. So the coach of the Mexican side was also rumored as a candidate to, to take over the Boca Juniors job. But eventually the club decided to go with Gustavo Alfaro. And Gustavo Alfaro, his whole career, has always been a defensive tactician. He has always prioritized the, the defense over, over offense. And, you know, that could be good, but over the course of the year, it turned out to not be the best thing for the club. Um, so as the year progressed, we finished uh, second in the Superliga which ended up qualifying Boca for next year's Copa Libertadores, which was a big accomplishment for Alfaro. Um, we ended up reaching the final of the Copa de la Superliga, which is sort of um, an FA Cup just for, for first-tier teams, for first-division teams. And it was, it was made to make up for the lack of league season, uh, league uh, match weeks, sorry. Um, because the season was pretty short. It ended in February, May, I think April ended around April. Um, so it's a pretty short season, and that's just because of the messed up situation they have in Argentina with 30 teams and uh, not able to do a full European-style season and whatnot. So they ended up coming up with this Copa de la Superliga, which was actually, no, I would say, a success. It was pretty interesting for, for a lot of the fans. It was a lot of fun to watch, at least uh, for me. I watched a lot of the games that didn't even involve Boca, which – uh, kept me entertained. But Wolka actually made it to the final of that competition. Unfortunately, we did lose to Tigre. We lost 2-0, um, to which I consider uh, a, a poor performance from Wolka. Not so much. Um, I think the referee had a lot to do with that. If you look back at my tweets for that game, I was pretty upset. I think the referee um, had a lot to do with that game. Unfortunately, he was one of the protagonists, which I never like. But Wolka ended up losing that. That, that tournament, unfortunately, 
Uh, we ended up playing the Super Cup against Rosario Central. Uh, it took us to penalties, but uh, but we won the Super Cup against Rosario Central. That ultimately was Boca's um, only title in, in 2019. And then in the, in the second half of the year, Boca uh, kicked into higher gear with the transfer window. Uh, we actually made it out of the group stage of the Copa Libertadores, uh, first place. Uh, in, a, in a tough group with Atletico Paranaense from Brazil, um, Jorge Winterman, I believe, or I think it was actually, I don't remember the other teams, I'm sorry. Uh, but we made it in uh, the top seed of our group at the Copa Libertadores, and we went into the knockout stage. And our first opponent was Atletico Paranaense, the same familiar rival from the group stage. It's a little weird that they even allow that, but they do. So um, Boca signed a couple of key players and probably paid played the best series in the Copa Libertadores. That tie against Paranaense, the Brazilian teams, was absolutely a superb 180 minutes. Boca dominated from the first minute to the very last minute of the second leg. Uh, eventually, we progressed to the semi, the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores. We faced River once again, and this is where Alfaro was... Uh, a lot of questions were raised about his tactics. In the first leg against River, he played extremely, but extremely defensive and completely threw away that game. Boca fell 2-0 to River. It was pretty upsetting. Um, not exactly the approach most fans would have hoped for, uh, but we still remained hopeful. It was only a 2-0 deficit going into the second leg. Into the second leg, we were the superior team from the first minute to the last. Unfortunately, we only ended up winning 1-0 which wasn't enough, and we crashed out 2-1 on aggregate against Riven once again, which is even more frustrating. Um, after that tie, Boca started to sort of dive. Uh, we didn't have the best performances in the Superliga, and at, at the midway point of the, of the Superliga, we find ourselves in uh, second place, one point behind league, league, league leaders Argentinos Juniors. And that's sort of uh, the year for Boca. Um, a lot of fans feel that the board didn't do uh, their absolute best into recruiting the best players in order to, to face the second half of the year, in order to face David, for example. We lost two key players, uh, Naita Nandes, a box-to-box midfielder that um, moved to Cagliari. Uh, we replaced him with a youth, a youth player in Capaldo, which was, uh, it was okay. A lot of fans accepted I accepted it at least. But what a lot of fans did not like is that our starting striker, Dario Benedetto, who had superb, superb numbers. I think he scored 36 goals in 52 games in his time for Oka Juniors, which is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. He signed for Marseille in France, and Boca did not bring anybody of that caliber in to replace him, and um, ultimately we ended up paying the price. Um, over the, the last two to three months of of the season, Boca just really struggled to, to score goals, and you could tell that the, the players missed Dario Benedetto up front. And that's sort of how we closed out the year. Um, Alfaro was only signed on a one-year deal. Um, the, the, the club members voted. 53% went with a new direction, a different board, uh, with second vice president Juan Roman Riquelme involved. Um, and the, the club is headed in, in a new direction, in a better direction, I hope. At least it, it's looking like it. Um, and, and, yeah, so we're excited for what uh, 2022 has uh, – 2022, what am I – I'm thinking about the World Cup already. <laughs> so we're excited for yeah. this year, 2020. Yeah, as I can see it. But did you expect Benedetto uh, to make – how's he doing over in Europe? Because I he's one of my favorite that – he's one of my favorites that were there. I mean, I, I take him all over the place in um, football manager because – Football manager mobile doesn't have Argentina yet, but they keep yeah, giving us. I, uh, they keep I found out the hard way. I bought the game, and there's no Roca, so I was pretty upset. In the, in the desktop game, they're real fun to play with because you've got everything. You've because I've gone in it with Argentina in one of the lower one in one of the other ones, and they're fun with. Boca. The problem is in um, Argentina, the youth structure they have in there. There's like 42 players on the youth team. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm looking at it going. Oh crap! God, every, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I just always go and I'll go somewhere overseas and I'll just go right back into Argentina and see what Boca has or see what Velez has. <laughs> Studiantes. I mean, I'll just 
I'll just I'll pick South America clean. But did you expect yeah. him to be able to go over to Europe? Because isn't he like in his mid twenties? He is. Yeah, it was a little bit of a late move for him. Uh, typically, as you know better than me, obviously players move to Europe uh, at the age of. 20, 21, 22, 23, even younger, like 18, 19, yeah. Boca sold a really promising center back in Leo Valerdi at the young age of 18 years old to Borussia Dortmund in, in Germany. So players are leaving even earlier and earlier. And Dario Neto said at the age of 28, hey, listen, you know, uh, expect to have an offer from, from Marseille. I'd like to accept the offer and move abroad and finally um, – be able to play for Europe because that was that was on his uh, on his list of, of of goals for for the player. Um, as far as how he's performing, I watched his first couple of games. I know he's been scoring consistently. I don't know if as consistent as he was for Woka, but I think he has been performing pretty well for the uh, for the French club. Exactly. Now I I know with I know with MLS fans, Pavon being up here. It's weird for me because I always thought Pavon was gone to Europe within the last couple of years, but how LA Galaxy snuck that one through? I obviously Galotos there, so he can call he can call back to Bonusaris and he will know what's there. Yeah, I mean, Boca has no thought of bringing him back, right? Boca, so. Yeah, um... Yes, Pavon is currently on loan to uh, LA Galaxy, um, and they just, I think it was last month that they released a club statement saying that they have uh, taken the option for a a one-year extension on the loan, so eventually it's going to get to a point where Galaxy, in in a year's time, it's going to get to a point where Galaxy needs to make up their mind, okay, we don't have the option to go ahead and extend for another year on the loan, we pay his buyout clause or we send him back to Roca. Uh, from what I've seen of Bawon in the MLS, he has absolutely destroyed it. And I don't think Galaxy will be sending him back. I think they're eventually going to take up the option to purchase him permanently. Yeah, it's been a but it's been below him. It's weird. With him on the field with a very broken down, older, um, Oh God, I forgot Ibrahimovic. I forgot his first name out of the blue. Yeah, he's one of my favorite players. Very well. Yeah, and I, I was surprised how freaking tall that guy is. How much? It, it was just like they were looking at them and with Alvarez up top, just going, oh, "We're just going to have fun with this." I mean, we talked last time we were here is that Pavon has just hit a hit a wall in being on he this did. site. He what, did, yeah, after the World Cup. Him. I mean, if Benedetto could go over, and your gamers from 18 or 19, I mean, Pavon's not that old. Yes, he's he's uh, he's really young. Bowen is really young, and I think he still has the possibility of even playing in Europe one day. Um, the situation with him was he was in stellar form prior to the 2018 World Cup. Um, he played in that tournament, so few minutes he got he he played pretty well but after that he was just night and day uh he was just a shadow of the player that he was prior to the world cup and he really didn't perform well at all um with galaxy hiring our ex-coach Guillermo Barros Esqueloto as their head coach it sort of facilitated Balon's route over to LA Galaxy because you know he flourished under uh under Guillermo Barros Esqueloto does Scaloto know English? I would assume he he does, right? Is that a is that a requirement? To, yeah, I mean he played in Columbus Crew for eight years, seven eight years, right? Maybe a little yeah, less. Because but. he's never given an he's never in front of the LA Galaxy given a um, English English interview. He's always doing he's <clears throat> always reverting, and that's weird because he's been in the states on and off for a long time. He has, he has, yeah. I'm not, I'm not 100 sure to be honest, Stephen. If he, if he speaks English, I think I saw one of his press conferences in the LA, and he had a translator next to him. Yeah, um, he may be one of those guys who just really doesn't want to learn the language. <laughs> yeah, because Maradona doesn't, right? Maradona doesn't know English. 
Because I, I no, thought I no, read no. somewhere that it's only like Italian and um, Spanish that he knows. Yeah, he, he knows Spanish and he knows um, a good bit of Italian. I actually saw an interview of Maradona yesterday. It's a fantastic interview that uh, Dace of Sports, one of the local channels in Argentina, did on him or with him. It was an hour-long interview, and he actually sings a song in Italian, which I thought was pretty neat. Yeah, he does speak Italian. Uh, I don't know if very, very fluent or how much of the language he knows, but he does speak it. I mean, it's only natural. He played in Napoli for six, seven years, so um, I think he had to learn the language. Oh, yeah. He he had to. I mean, his fall from Europe was impressive, but that's that that's one of those that there's way too much written on. What's the end for Tevis? Because obviously he's gone and come back so many times at this point. He's on his last. Whatever this next yeah, so, contract for him is his last. Yeah, so so Tevis, I mean, in terms of a big payday, uh, his contract with Boca ends in, let me give you an exact, um, in 13 days. His contract finalizes with Wilka in 13 days. Um, he never had the best relationship to Riquelme, but Riquelme was sort of exiled from the club back in 2013 with the, the board who just left. And Riquelme doesn't want to do to Tevez what the previous board did to him. So the rumors are saying that Wilka will eventually resign him under an, another contract. It obviously will not be for the same salary. Because I know the numbers, but I'd rather not say it. I'd rather keep it to myself. But Davis makes a lot of money, not only for an Argentine club, but for really the piss-poor performances that he's been putting in over the past two years, I would say. Uh, he definitely does not deserve those wages. Um, so they're going to have to agree on those terms. According to Davis, it's going to be something really easy, uh, five-minute negotiation. He really has no issues with that. I mean – He's set economically anyways, so that's not the yeah. point. The point is to get him to retire with the club. Yeah. But unfortunately, Davis just doesn't know how to speak to the media correctly. Um, he's very disrespectful when speaking uh, to the media. Um, to give you an example, the first Super Clásico that was played under Gustavo Alfaro, which was back in August, September, I think September, um, Davis didn't start. And he said to the media two days ago that he he thought it was disrespectful that the coach didn't start him, which I think is completely out of line. If you think it's disrespectful, that's fine. You should probably keep it to yourself, but don't put that out there. Because the only thing that's doing is now conditioning the next coach who comes in. If they don't see you fit to start a Super Clásico, are you going to think it's disrespectful once again? You know, it's not the correct way to, to manage yourself. But then again, I'm not surprised because – Davis that Juventus didn't leave in the right terms. At Manchester United, Manchester City, he didn't leave in the right terms. He really didn't, never left, and even the Chinese club, he didn't leave with them in the right terms. So he never leaves in, in good terms with any club. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He just doesn't seem like a smart guy, if that makes sense. He's definitely not smart. You know what it is? I think he needs a mentor, which is weird to say as a you know for a player of his caliber who's well-known around the world and, you know, has excelled at literally every club and has played at the highest level. But he's 35, and he really doesn't know how to how to express himself, and he doesn't know the right words to pick or the right things to say. He, he talks worse than some of our younger players, which are really the ones who should be making those mistakes in hindsight, you know? Is that a product of his upbringing? Because we know he was he's not from one of the really good areas at all. I mean, it's it's scary with some of the stuff that's actually been said where he's from. Is that just the upbringing, or is he just... No. He just get, ghosted by because he's so good. I don't think so. I don't think it's his upbringing. Um, he was raised in a very, very rough neighborhood, and those of you who are listening who saw his documentary on Netflix would know it's a superb... Um, not documentary, it's a series, I think with eight or nine or ten episodes, something like that. It was really good. It, it depicted very well of his childhood. Uh, I think it's a result of his actual, his, his entourage. Uh, his brother is a freaking idiot. Uh, he even has a Twitter account. He says the most ridiculous things on Twitter. Um, but I think his entourage really don't help him. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to change the way a 30 
36 or 37-year-old thinks. You could sort of mold a, a 20-year-old and, and, and tell them, hey, listen, you can't express yourself in this manner. But with Carlos Tevez, I mean, he, he's a father. He, he has a family now. Um, I think it's tough to sort of – I mean, I really do think he needs to have a sit-down with Rick Edmund. Rick Edmund needs to tell him, hey, listen, stay away from the media. Stay away from the microphones. Keep everything down low. Keep your feelings. You know, if you have to express anything, express it to, to the coach, to his face. Don't go out to the media and blow up somebody's spot. It's just not the right thing to do. And it goes back to what I said before. 80% of the, the sports radio stations in Argentina, the TV stations in Argentina – uh, 80% of the time is dedicated to, I would say, mostly Roca, but Rivet as well. So any little thing that you might say will get blown out of proportion. So you can only imagine what David said the other day, how it is literally the headline of every media outlet in Argentina. And it's just unnecessary. Uh, there's there's something big within the Roca Junior, within the Boca Juniors universe that says, you're a Roca player 24-7. So what you do outside of the club, what you do with your family, what you do at home, what you do when you go out, it's all. It's ultimately going to follow you back at at the club. You know, you're not only a player for those 90 minutes that you play on the pitch. You're a, a Boca player. You know, throughout training, obviously, when you're in the club grounds, obviously. Um, but even what you do back home, even you know, if you're caught um, at a club, it's, it's just going to be a big mess. If you get into a car accident, it's going to be a big mess with the media. Uh, they're not your friends, and, and Divis just has a hard time realizing that. Is he this generation's Maradona? Because Maradona's what, 50-plus? And he, Maradona's an idiot. Let's be honest. That guy's an idiot, to say the least. But somehow he's made it through. Is Looking at looking at Maradona, is that Tevez at 50? Um, I don't... I, minus all I the... Minus putting, minus putting South America up your nose. But, I mean, you, you get where I'm going. Yeah, you know what it is with, with Maradona... Um, a lot of the things he says, it's not to make I, – I really don't know how to word this, and I really want to think about this so I could say it correctly. Yeah. Um, Maradona would never say the things Divis says. He would never put an ex-coach, an ex-player at the expense of the media and roast him completely. Um, he would never do something like that. He keeps those – if he ever has an issue with somebody, he'll talk to them face-to-face away from the media. That's something that Davis doesn't do, like I just said. The things Maradona says, uh, 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 I don't know, more politically well-known, and it has to do a lot more with politics. Um, for example, I saw his interview the other day, um, actually last night, and he just highlights the fact that he was never a fan of FIFA, and he never had a hard time saying that. He'll always say that he was always against FIFA um, as a player throughout his later stages. Those are the kind of things Maradona says, which are also controversial, obviously. Um, but it's never Maradona will never go out and say, "Hey, listen, you know this player that I played with uh, was uh, uh, not the best teammate in the locker room," um, like like Davis does, you know. Yeah, exactly. I'm just uh, that's one of the weird things I am surprised about with. With Tevez is that he, I have a sad feeling is that we're 20 years from now looking at him because Maradona's been gone from the team for a good long time, a good yeah. long time. But yeah, regardless, I mean, he's at a lower league team. He's at he was in Mexico and he's still thought of with Boca. That's what Tevez is going to be in 20 years. If he even stays in the sport, which I you yeah, you would know better if he's got any intention of staying in or he's all right. I'm out. Yeah, Davis does. Um, he, he's also been one to express that he he would one day want to be president of the club. I can tell you right sure. now, if by then if I'm able to vote, I will not vote for him because he simply he he can't express himself well. He 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 can't speak to the media, and I can't even imagine if he were the president of the club. But the difference with Davis and, and Maradona is Maradona will always get the attention from the media, regardless of where he is. Davis, on the other hand, if he's tied away, if he's away from the from the sport, he really won't get the attention from the media. Yeah, Ex- exactly. So, so, well, 
this has been fun. This is good. Probably, I'll probably have to bug you for the next year and a half. Well, it won't be because within about mid-year, you'll have the book in your hands. Well, you'll have two books oh, in your hands. I'm excited for that. Maybe one so we can raffle off to the uh, to our followers. Who knows? Oh, oh, I, well, I wouldn't get involved with you on that because there's, there's going to be a couple things I'm going to want to do with this with you guys over there. But I'm going to assume, are you going to take it to the end of the year with your, with you guys, or are you just going to? All right, we're up, we're out. With the with the pod, in terms of the podcast, with the pod, yeah. I think we have one more episode, which we're probably going to record uh, sometime next week. What we're thinking of doing is sort of closing out the year and doing a, a squad review, a manager review, a, just a, a review of the entire year and sort of bring our listeners up to date with the latest in the, in the transfer market, and then we're going to close out the year, and then we probably won't be back for another two to three weeks, uh, oh. maybe mid-January where we're starting to gear into um, into preseason. <laughs> nice. Well, that will t- that will t- that will take it for us. I'm not coming back next week because next week's Christmas, and I don't I don't think my pe- I don't want I don't want to be doing this from a train coming back from from the Finger Lakes. So anyway, Gabriel, this has been fun. Hopefully, I get you a lot more next year, and you're not in the middle of going to school, working, Doris. <laughs> We're doing a special special simulcast on that one. Absolutely, yeah. No, I hope to be on the podcast uh, more often next year. Um, and, um, as always, you know, I, I want you on our podcast talking about the book, of course, whenever you're ready for that. Maybe closer to your birthday could be a really good opportunity. But, um, no, it's definitely been fun. Thank you so much, Stephen. I, I appreciate it. Um, happy holidays to you, of course, and happy holidays to everybody listening. Yeah, this has been this has been fun. It's always great to talk Boca, and I don't want to do more Boca type of pods because I want I want to I want to be listening to a Boca pod, which has been the best thing that one of the best things that's been happening. Anyway, we will see you guys in the new year. Thank you so much, Stephen.